Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Better look out, Tim. Ray's been in broadcasting school. The only thing that 5 o'clock tells me is that we're 55 minutes away from getting the hell out of here. (laughs) (laughs) And that I've been talking too much. You didn't mention that. Oh, we'll get to that. Uh... Based on your week in Memphis, and maybe you were focused inordinately on Brooks, but do you get a sense that this team is mature enough to make the kind of deep run in the playoffs that will get everybody the notice that Brooks clearly craves for himself? Is this team ready to to make a run, or are they still, in your mind, a bit away from that? I think they're a bit away from it. I, I think in some ways they've, even though they played better, this doesn't probably make a whole lot of sense, but they, for what they need to be in the playoffs, I think they've kind of taken a little bit of a step back because they're not, I mean, Brooks just simply can't shoot the three. Morant has gotten considerably worse um, from a from a level that wasn't that great to begin with. Um, you know, Bain is kind of their only consistent outside shooter and I don't I don't know how far that takes you you know I don't know how far that takes you in this in this game today's game um, and then there is yeah there is that maturity level they, they, they can get they can kind of get a little bit over their skis you know a Morant can he can he can he can forget that there's four other guys on the court um, you know Jaron Jackson jr. gets into foul trouble pretty frequently um, it'd be interesting. I think a big key is is what happens when Stephen Adams comes back because, um, despite his sort of wild man look and attitude, sometimes he's kind of the the steadying influence on that team. And and uh, I, I just noticed it a lot, even when he's not playing. I mean, he's like, I mean, he's like following Taylor Jenkins down to the scorers table during play. You know, during while the game's going on, like giving him a giving him tips and stuff, and they seem to be fine with it. You know, here's a guy on the team and sweats running down to talk to the coach as, as the game's going on, and, and, and that that seems to be, a, a you know, a role that they're willing to give him. So, um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I think I, I don't know that they're in any better position than they were last year, to be honest. Tim Kewen, ESPN senior writer, great article, great piece on on Dylan Brooks, an interesting profile. You should check it out, considering he's got two more dates with the Golden State Warriors coming up before this season ends. Thank you so much for joining us. Really appreciate your time. Have a good weekend. Hey, you too. Thank you, guys. Thank you very, very much, Tim Kewen on 95.7 The Game. So, back-to-back of the year, Ray. I mean, we were an oversell. I don't know. I mean, these are important games. They all are. It's the Second to last back-to-back, and by the way, Clay Thompson is cleared to go again tonight. The same team that you saw last night is available for the Warriors tonight. Um, their other back-to-back remaining for them is a trip at Atlanta at Memphis a little bit later on this year. So they'll see the Grizzlies on their final back-to-back. And how this team starts to play on the road will be the answer to this question that came in on the Xfinity Mobile text line from Chef A, who says, do you think other teams will start to fear the Golden State Warriors like they used to? Like they used to? Probably not. 
that the, the Warriors to be feared were playing a style of basketball that was almost unmatched and rarely duplicated throughout the NBA at the dawn of this dynasty. The entire NBA tries to play like the Golden State Warriors now. The entire league has adopted their style of play to a point, to a degree. Maybe not taking it small ball city all the way the Warriors do. But their style of play is now a normal style of play in this league. So I think that that cuts down on their mystique. The fact that Kevin Durant is not on this team cuts down on their mystique. The Warriors truly were. When you talk about, you know, do other teams fear the Warriors? Well, what do you mean fear? Do they think they're going to get hurt? Do they think the Warriors are going to beat them up? Are they more of a finesse team? Uh, you know, to me, the fear was, you know you're not winning tonight. You can play your best possible basketball game, but against the Warriors, it's probably not going to be enough. That, to me, is NBA fear. I think respect for the Warriors is being re-earned and re-examined throughout the league. But downright, we cannot beat them fear, not until they start showing up on the road. Not only that, they would have to close like 16-4. and four. Right. Because at that point, there is a mystique, not about the Warriors, but about teams that get hot at the end that always sort of becomes like this extra weight that opponents have to take into into a series. If they do that, and I'm not suggesting that they are even remotely prepared to do so, but if they do that, then all the old tales about, you know, oh, here they come again, you know, they know more than us. Not they're better than us, not we can't beat them, but these guys have reared their ugly heads again. Because remember, they were going they were spinning around the gurgler about the last seven games last year too and all of a sudden they went on I think a five game bender and then then all of a sudden they're live again well I mean it was was, Steph Curry didn't play a significant chunk at the end of the year last year so you you sort of took your eye off them you know you did but at the end of the year you know they they got hot and I think there was more conversation about they're gonna do this they're back again and I think that carried its way through through the postseason. Um, it also helped that Phoenix, you know, strangled itself against Dallas, so that the Warriors didn't have a bad matchup in the postseason until they got to Boston. And even at that, Boston turned out not to be a great matchup because Jason Tatum had a terrible series. But I think if the Warriors get ungodly hot, I think you'll you you'll see some of that feeling again. Barring that, I think they will look upon them as, eh, they're a five seed. Five seats don't win this. They usually Cause, don't. Because five seats don't win this. In fact, I don't think a five seed has ever won. I know a six seed has, but I don't think a five seed's ever won the, the title. What was that, the, uh, the Washington Bullets? 78 is the six? I think it was Houston. Okay. In one of the two non-Jordan years. Right. We'll have to look that up. I, 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 I don't know. It's, it's funny. Like to me, the seating, it, it, it doesn't mean much, and that's the Warriors. The, the Warriors have not wanted seating to mean much. We get to the tournament. That's when we show up. And look, if they show up with a level of defense. The respect, the mystique, yeah, it does come back. Steve Kerr. Yeah, Draymond as a center fielder is, uh, I think, the best best in the league. I mean, there's nobody who can kind of muck up the lane like he can and, you know, just read what's happening, help everywhere he needs to help, and then come in and rebound. I thought the uh, the guard rebounding was a, a really big deal tonight, both Dante and Clay with 11 boards. Clay has really made made that a point of focus since the All-Star break to, uh, to get on the glass. So, uh, you know, between Draymond and Loon directing the defense, our guards getting getting back on the glass, defending without fouling for the most part, and uh, just staying solid. I think we're we're finding something. Not only did the Warriors never allow the Clippers to score 30 in any quarter last night, they held the Clippers to 35 total points in the second half. They had a 42-16 to 16 third quarter last night. And again, nothing makes the Warriors feel quite like the Warriors more than a third quarter straight up butt whooping. 
It's part of their DNA. It's part of their identity. And that's why they're starting to look like and feel more like themselves even without two of their most important players in the mix right now. And the fact that they've got a chance to go 5-0 and on this homestand with Curry nor Wiggins participating in a single game. That's good. I mean, it's just, it certainly ain't bad, right? I mean, it's it feels like things are getting better. The back-to-back of the year... Second to last, and the, the, the tonight's mission is clear. Get four games over 500. Get your best winning percentage attached to your franchise of the year starting tonight, and then build on that. Keep on building on that. Do not let down against the New Orleans Pelicans tonight. A loss tonight. Rad, I don't want to use the word devastating. That's probably way too dramatic. But a loss tonight would feel like two steps backwards. It would feel like two losses. Um, I think it depends on how they lose. I mean, I know I'm quibbling here, but if they just have a horrendous night shooting, but they do everything else well and lose like 98, 95, I don't think that's a big... I don't think it'll have the same feel. If they lose 135, 131, then it means their defense went back to hell again. Right, regression. And I think that's... That to me is, you know, and and I said this before and you looked at me askance, but the fact is they're going to establish who they are on the defensive end, even when Curry comes back. And so if they if they lose 98-95 because they shot 31%, well, every team has a night like that where they just don't shoot well. But you can at least say, well, they didn't lose their train of thought on the thing that's most important. Jordan Poole had himself a game last night. 34 points on 20 shots. He gets to the line 12 times. It's 11 of those free throws and really made a play that that might qualify for the Warriors' overall play of the year. And DiVincenzo hustles to the rebound. Over to Poole. Right side three. No good. Rebound in the corner. Poole will save it to Kaminga. To DiVincenzo. Back to Kaminga. Over to Poole, who relocates and hits a three. Ridiculous. 87-69. Part of the Warriors looking and feeling like the Warriors is that crowd starting to look and feel like that. Jordan Poole gets thrown back onto the court right off the lap of E40. <laughs> and he hits that relocation three. Uh, it was it was a hell of a sequence. It really was. Jordan Poole is the equivalent of an NBA whirling dervish. I mean, he is all over the place is on the edge of in control and out of control and like so many warriors teams that's where that's where kind of the sweet spot is for him now he might take it a little too far with some of the sloppy play and whatnot some of the choices he makes the choices he makes not only the choices he makes but at the time he's making these choices i mean he will he will let a yoikes away yolo shot fly with 16 seconds remaining in a shot clock where Steve would much rather had seen him explore that possession and some teammate options more than he does. Kerr last night, Ray, was asked if coaching Steph Curry through his wild shots, how, you know, that's a bad shot for anyone on the planet but Steph Curry. If going through that metamorphosis with Curry gives him a little bit more of a leash and patience with Jordan Poole. Here is Steve Kerr on that. I think the game has changed so much. And I think, to be honest, I think Steph and Clay helped spur that change. You know, when I first became coach, that that moment that you referenced was probably a couple of months into the season. All I could, for the first two months, all I could hear in my head were, you know, Lute Olson and Phil Jackson and Greg Popovich telling, telling me that's a terrible shot. That's a terrible shot. You know, at that point, I looked at the stats and Steph was shooting 42% and Clay was shooting 41%. I said, okay, that's, that's a good shot for those guys. Uh, since then, 
It's like the whole league is, is shooting those shots. And it's not necessarily a great shot for everybody. And I don't necessarily think a lot of those shots are great for Jordan. All you have to do is look at percentages to know whether something's a good shot or not. And so what I love about Jordan is he's still evolving. He's still growing. And we've spent a lot of time talking about efficiency and uh, what's the best way to attack. He has incredible speed. And so we're trying to help him use the speed to create easier shots for himself and everybody else instead of just settling for some of those long, difficult shots. And it's still a work in progress. But, you know, if you want to shoot 42% from three, you get to shoot any shot you want. But you could better shoot 40, 40, 42%. And that's, um, not many players can do that. And again, Jordan's nowhere near 42%. He's at 33%. He has not had a great year shooting. But Ray, he doesn't lack confidence. No. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's, that's the thing I think I like most about him. Jordan Poole has a short memory, and to be a great shooter in this league, one day down the road, I think you need that built in to who you are. But I don't think you can shake a shooter's confidence. I think what you can do is make him regret the choice by guarding him or forcing him to places on the court where he doesn't like to be. Uh, that's what I think affects your confidence. But in, just in terms of, I have a shot, I'm going to shoot it. I think natural shooters never lose that. Um, they can get frustrated only by guys who can defend them out of that. Like if you put Dylan Brooks on pool, just as a hypothetical, I don't know that you would want to do that. Right, sure. But I think Dylan Brooks could shake anybody's confidence just by scaring the hell out of them. You know, knowing how to lean into him, playing a little bit like Norm Van Leer did back when the, the Bulls were pre-Jordan, but really good and an incredibly difficult, mean-spirited defensive team. Right. You're going to feel this yeah. team tonight. Yeah. You're going to you're going to earn this shot that you want to take physically, and I think you can do that with shooters. Um, in fact, there was a there was a, a section in the in the Brooks piece that Tim Kewen wrote about how much respect. Brooks has for him because as Brooks explains it, and this is a paraphrase, you know, he gets the hell beat out of him and he never backs down. You know, and he never gets distracted from what the what the plan is. And he said there's almost nobody in the league like that. And that's 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 how you overcome basically any anything. You just say, if the best defense players in the game can't throw me off my game, then no one can throw me off my game. Gary in Martinez, you're on 95.7 The Game, Gary, with Damon and Ratto. Hello. Hey, fellas. Thanks for taking the call. What's I up? wanted to ask, um, you know, with the Western Conference being as bunched up as it is and the seeds you know, having, you know, a game, maybe two between them, I was wondering if you guys think there's going to be some jockeying for position. You know, with the seeds, you know, where we stand right now, you know, I'm not really trying to face Phoenix the first round. I would, you know, prefer maybe, you know, Sacramento. And so you're saying, uh, like, if, if, the, if the Warriors get to the spot where losing a game gets them out of Phoenix in the first matchup and, and maybe, yeah, I mean, maybe that becomes part of it. And there's also the fact that there are four games at the end of April, three of them are on the road. And if they're not right on the road, losing a few games at the end of what needs to be a good march for the Warriors isn't out of the question. But if Antonio Daniels is right, and that this is going, this, the way the standings are now, or pretty much how they're going to look at the end of the year, nobody's going to be able to afford the creative loss. Uh, you need to know pretty much, you know, who you're going to face no matter what. And when there are so many things at play every night, you can't guarantee that, hey, we're in the five spot. That's where we want to be. You won't know who the four is. If you don't know who the four is, you could end up with a terrible match. So I don't think it's going to be really feasible to do that this year just because I think the, the permutations outside your control are far more than those within your control. So I, I almost think it's not worth it. There's one other NBA thing that happened last night that I kind of want to get into before we talk a little bit about how baseball's not dying after all. 
Did you see that Luca and Kyrie each went over 40 last night in a win over the 76ers? Luka Doncic had 42. Kyrie had 40. They become only the fifth pair of teammates to record 40-point games in non-overtime games in the past 30 years. What was funny about this, right, was the headline that was attached to this story was, can the Mavericks win like this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're going to win a lot of games where their two best players combine for 82. The question is, can the Mavericks win when they don't get that? <laughs> that, to me, is the better headline question. Not, can the Mavericks win like this with two historically significant performances? Of course they can. Of course. They're the first Mavericks duo, by the way, in franchise history to get 40 in the same game. They're just the 22nd pair of teammates to ever do it in NBA history. So to ask the question, is this sustainable, is, you know, ridiculous on its face. But it's already the third time this season it's happened. That's how much scoring is up this year. And something that is a rare accomplishment throughout the history of basketball, it's already the third time this year it's happened. 11th time, as we said, since, uh, since what, what did I say? It was the 11th time it's happened since what, the past 30 years. Not overtime games. But Sacramento's De'Aaron Fox and Malik Monk did it. Cleveland's Karis LeVert and Donovan Mitchell did it this year. So it's happened It's happened rarely and in a weird way often this season. Well, you have to throw out the, the Sacramento game because that was the triple overtime game that went to 176-175. It got Somebody bonkers. was going to have to score 40. It got bonkers. But it, no, it's not, 40 is not a big deal anymore. 50 is barely a big deal. But 40 is, it's too routine to be special now. Well, look, the, as we have confirmed with Steve Kerr, who has agreed, the 20-point lead in an NBA game is just the new 10-point lead. If this, that, yeah. this This league erases 20-point deficits like they're nothing. Everyone. Everyone in this league is capable of taking a 20-point hole and making it vanish within five minutes of game clock. It's ridiculous how talented scoring is in this league. Unless you're the Spurs, Rockets, uh, Magic, Pistons, and Hornets. Because when you're down 20 and you're one of them... You've succeeded. You want to be down 30. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, if, you, if you ain't trying, you don't even get included in this conversation. Or if you start to show a comeback, you'll get pulled and replaced by somebody less good than you. Right. Stick to the game plan. Yeah. Um, L.A. Times did a story today, Ray, about uh, baseball. Bill Shaken of the L.A. Times. And the, you know, the premise is baseball is dying. Well, it's not. It's not. Um, I would like to quote... Al Spaulding, who said, quote, professional baseball is on the wane. Salaries must come down or interest of the public must be increased in some way. Al Spaulding said that in 1886, complaining about the viability of baseball is a tale as old as time. It is part of the game of baseball. It is part of every decade this game has ever played. And here we are once again. But we do have some stats to back up the fact that baseball is clearly not dying because this sport, baseball, set a new revenue record that is by definition proof that you are not dying. But it's a, it's a mythical argument in this, they are making more money from fewer sources. So if you want to say baseball is dying because fewer people are interested, attendance records will tell you that that's a trend that is happening. And audience size and TV and, and you know basically streaming services is less than it was. So in that way, it is too. But baseball pivoted a while ago to finding new ways to make money. And so they are doing better while attracting less attention. Having said all that, the San Francisco Giants, no matter how good or bad they are, will have one of the best primetime rating numbers of any television show this summer in the market of San Francisco. They will. Pe people watch local baseball when it's on, good or bad. 
And that is where the TV money has gone bonkers and the revenue streaming means fewer people can physically show up to watch. But more people are watching at home than you'd actually suspect. And let me just get into this article a little bit and we'll argue with some of the finer points that are brought up by a polling service. Bill Shake in L.A. Times writes, over the last few weeks, you might have even heard that baseball is dying cries from unlikely sources. Owners of several major league teams have called baseball an industry in crisis. Well, crisis in the game if that really were there, look how much they have altered the game this year to fix that crisis, if that is. you know, The new rule changes are going to reignite a supercharged pace of the game. At least that's what they're hoping for. The question or the, you know, the, the fact that you, you know, you'll, you'll never see Mike Trout. You wouldn't even recognize him. Well, baseball did something to address that, too. All the best players will now perform in your city once every two years, not once every six years with the realigned schedule. And the fact that the American League and the National League are no longer different. The baseball's monochromatic. There is no there is no difference in the league anymore, which means we might as well roll all these teams past you because that's what the people want. So giving people what they want, baseball, we accuse them of not being able to do it. In this case, they're saying, hey, we're doing it. Uh, Bill Shaken writes, after years of talk about how baseball is dying and the, the NBA has leapt beyond baseball in popularity and relevance culturally, soccer is now more important than ever and blah, 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 blah. Latest polls result and, and they tell a different story. In January, during the middle of winter, during the middle of you know the NFL, NBA, and NHL seasons, Ipsos... Ipsos, I-P-S-O-S. Ipsos. Ipsos polled 1,035 Americans. Now, this is not a scientific poll here. There is a margin of error, obviously. But fans were asked in the middle of winter whether or not they were a fan of 13 sports. You could be a fan of as many or as few sports as you liked. They asked, are you a fan of this, that, 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 yes or no, yes or no. The NFL, of course, led with 44% of the responders to this poll saying, yes, I'm a fan of football. In second place, baseball. I would have actually thought that the chances of college basketball, or excuse me, uh, the NBA and college football passing baseball existed. According to this poll, no. Now, it's close because... Baseball was in second place with 31%, followed by college football at 29%. The NBA at 24%. College basketball came in at 23%. In the 18 to 34 demographic, baseball still ranked second. Tied with the NBA at 23%, followed closely by college football at 22%, college basketball at 20%. Soccer came in at 16%. In the 35 to 54 age group, NFL led with 46. Still baseball in second place. What's crazy is that baseball dropped in popularity in the 55 and over age group. The one place where we think most of its fans come from. But popularity in sports just dropped across the board in that age group. There are fewer people interested in the NFL in that age group as the last time they conducted this poll. In the overall rankings, hockey finished Fifth at 18%. Soccer was sixth at 17% and did not get more than 20% of any of these three demographic breakdowns. So according to this poll, all the soccer that you've have shoved down your throat is a massive exaggeration. There really isn't a craving for it that this poll suggests. And all the poo-pooing that we do on Major League Baseball is dying and irrelevant, especially with a younger generation. Well, this poll spits on that concept, too. I think you can you can make polls dance on the head of a pin, and I'm not disputing that they counted incorrectly or that they misunderstood what they were doing. Pollsters are professionals too. I think baseball is in a unique place in that the reason why they are in crisis is because they are in the process of losing one of their most lucrative revenue streams, which is the local broadcast. Because as the regional sports networks are 
essentially going under. And they don't have something ready to replace it yet. They're likely to, to lose some of that audience just because of availability. I think baseball is panicked because of that. And the fact that anybody wants to say that baseball is dying is a fool anyway. Because baseball has been dying for 150 years. And yet here it is. It's just like you. Well, I, yeah, but I'll, I will die before baseball. I'm confident. Uh, I think the problem with the poll is that it misstates the level of the crisis that baseball allegedly is facing. And it hides the fact that while revenues are up, all the other metrics are down and they don't seem like they're going to be arrested anytime soon. In particular the regional sports net network problem because once those games are taken in-house by the individual teams um isn't that an opportunity though isn't a problem for baseball today an opportunity to control more of your own product and revenue and how it's distributed eventually uh like it sounds like an opportunity to have your inventory returned to you for now you to sell but you're controlling the inventory now and somebody else is paying the production costs the fact is... Right, there are minimal production costs. They're not minimal at all. Oh, you could really make it minimal. You can carve out any space in any stadium. You could need a room that is the size of this room, which ain't a big room at all. Put two cameras, a little lighting in it, and boom, do your post-game. What, I mean, the, the post-game's not where the money is spent. Pre-game, whatever. What, whatever no, but, you know, the, I, I have a pretty rough idea of what NBC, uh, over down the road, has spent on production costs for both the A's and the Giants. And they are costs that neither team wants to bear, which is why they continue to do business with the regionals. But let me finish my point. But a big part of that cost is the rent of that building that they should have never put that operation in. No, that no, that that's not money that that the production, you know, can pass on to the Giants. The point is if the Giants have to take this in house. They're the ones who have to hire the full camera crews and all the all the directors. They don't pay for any of that right now. And beyond that, when you shift from a model that people are used to, you know, dealing with, in this case, the cable, it's not that people suddenly race, you know, if the cable thing collapses, they're not going to race over to MLB's uh, package to get everybody there, there's going to be there's going to be some churn, which means they're going to lose some people. And I don't know if they get those back if they don't price this better than they priced everything else. Because one of the things that all sports have done is they go for the highest possible cost and then add fifteen percent. And they're chasing a lot of people away because one of the things that has happened in the Sloan Conference every year is that people in baseball who are not management but people who follow the industry say that baseball's having a harder time catching young viewers to start with and it's not that they're losing the ones they already have but they're not being replaced when they move on to something else so but this it's is not, where it's not the industry complaining about it it's people who study the industry i appreciate that but if you have a problem roping in younger people to consume and watch your product getting it off of cable television and embracing the new technology which might drive away some fogies but actually appeal to a younger generation like to me what you're describing as a problem and i understand there are in-house structural costs that would have to be added to budgets, but the truth is to set up a television production studio in-house in any major league stadium would cost the equivalent of a starting pitcher. But I mean, that's it. That's it. Yeah, but you're forgetting one thing, is that NBC is paying hefty prices on top of all of that for the right to do the broadcast. When you take the broadcast inside, you can't sell the rights to yourself. No. So they're losing not only the production costs they have to inherit, but the rights fee that comes with it. So that will be passed along to you, the consumer, eventually. And the consumer is less likely to buy it if they're not compelled to do so by the product. Because I don't think audiences are renewable resources necessarily. 
And if you make it harder and more expensive to provide your entertainment to people, they are more likely to just say, hey, I can do without it. It's a, I mean, we'll find out soon enough when the, when the regionals finally collapse. But baseball is going to be a bailout some way, somehow. They're going to figure out how to keep. The, so the, the channel dies, but the broadcast will remain. And somehow, some way, they're going to figure this out. You watch. Yeah, but I don't know. They'll figure it out technically. I don't know if they'll figure it out financially. Because the thing that they always were good at was finding where the market was and pricing the hell out of it. But that that bell curve started downhill about 10 years ago. Any single sport that is losing in-person, butts-in-seat business, but having the most robust revenue of all time, I think can figure it out. No, they figured out how to make money. They haven't figured out how to renew their audience. And I think we're talking about two different things because I think the poll that Bill Shaken cited, that John Orend from Sports Business Journal cited two weeks ago, they were talking about revenue. They weren't talking about, you know, numbers of people who are still committed to your product. And I think there's the difference there. The poll I'd want to see is one, far more broad based, you know, a lot more than just a thousand people, which means you're gonna have to spend money on a poll, like big money on a poll. And to find out how many people have dropped, you have to figure out a way to count people who have left, because I think that's where the poll misses something, because the issue is not how many people are still in the room. You can count those. And they don't have a poll from 10 years ago to determine how many people are in the room. It's how many people have walked away. And those are harder to count because you have to basically find people who aren't in the poll anymore. Um, when we return, a couple more basketball notes. We will have some love for the Sacramento Kings when we come back from commercial break because they've officially deserved it and they earn it. And we're going to talk about gunning for Pistol Pete. We're going to talk about that. But one last thing I wanted to squeeze in here since we're talking about broadcasts and interests and how do you attract an audience. Uh, Ray, remember the Live Tour? Remember that thing? That oh, old chestnut? Yeah. And a chestnut it is. The Live Tour just ain't looking very good. Unless you're looking into the bank accounts of the players who took the deal with the monitor. The, 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 basically, they took the money for the deal with the devil. That means they're going to ignore where it's coming from to just take a whole lot of money and go play golf over here. Instead of taking less money to play PGA Tour golf over there. Sports TV Ratings reports that live, you know, they, they needed to find a TV home. They found a TV home, Ray, the CW. They went to ESPN, who's already partnered with, like Fox, like so many other outlets. They went to so many other outlets that have a PGA Tour partnership that they had to go to the CW. The CW would be better off showing reruns of Superman and Lois or Full House than they are live golf on the CW's flagship station, which is WPIX out of New York. Live golf was broadcast two weekends ago. Would you like to hear the audience? <laughs> you like it'd be easier to count it, but go ahead. They averaged a zero point zero eight household rating, which approximates. To 7,600 viewers. In the New York market, 7,600 New Yorkers watching means you have no New Yorkers watching. That, that's a bodega at 5.30 in the afternoon. 7,600 listeners at any time. If that's all we had, Ray, we would get fired immediately. If we had that small of an audience for this radio show, neither one of us have a job on Monday. Live golf cannot sustain. As much as these guys are trying to sports wash, whatever, whatever they're trying to do here, they're also businessmen. And you cannot flush Hundreds of millions, if not billion dollars down the drain with no return, no interest, no jingle jangle to point at anything saying this is working in any way conceptually 
and and get away with it. Live Tour has 12 to 18 months left in its existence is my prediction right now. Um, If these were just businessmen, I'd agree with you wholeheartedly. But these are also politicians and they are people who are used to getting their own way. And for them, money is no object. And I think they would feel more shame in folding than they feel now in the fact that nobody's interested. If this was the PGA Tour and they were getting 7,600 viewers, you're absolutely right. They'd, they'd, they'd fold up shop tomorrow. I don't know what to make of the, the, the people who started Live Golf because I don't know what they were expecting except that you know, they lost money on the World Cup just you know, in terms of the money they spent building the stadiums in exchange for the money they took in. I don't know if losing money is as important to them as giving the impression that they're players now. And they haven't done that yet. But but this isn't but, giving an impression that you're a player at all. This is giving no, an impression that you're Rutgers women's basketball on a Sunday afternoon. No, what, well, what I'm suggesting is that they're going to keep throwing money after this for a lot longer than 18 months because admitting you were wrong is more galling to them than admitting you're losing money. Maybe. We will find out. When we come on back, some love for the Kings because they've officially earned it. That will take place as the recap of a young man who was gunning for college basketball history just last night and came up oh so short. That's how we're going to wrap up today's show this Friday afternoon before we send you out to John Dickinson, who's got Warriors Live for you coming up from Chase Center at 6 o'clock. Don't you go anywhere. Damon and Rattle, we are brought to you by 5-Hour Energy. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing. However you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast we get it attention spans just aren't what they used to be heads in social media and eyes on netflix but what do people do with their ears well for one they're listening to audio americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day oh and you want the proof Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Now back to Damon and Ratto on 95.7 The Game. Everything that we do, all of our best moments. Ray, what best moments did we have today? 
Uh, we're about to have one in about seven minutes. Well, you can watch Ray leave live on YouTube right now. And if you miss Ray leaving, all you got to do is click and subscribe and you can watch Ray leave every single day. Uh, all of the shows, all the best interviews, the most interesting segments, behind the scenes, Ray leaving, Warriors basketball, all of it can be found on 957 The Game's YouTube page. Smash the subscribe button kitties uh let me tell you that coming up next year on 95.7 the game brought to you by fremont bank is warriors live our man john dickinson he is coming up live from chase center ahead of warriors and pelicans and a chance for the warriors to get north of 500 by four games 500 ray it's been like the death stars tractor beam it's just been sucking the millennium falcon back to it no matter what the, the five the, the warriors can't break the tractor beam of 500. Maybe they can go 5-0 and on this homestand and actually go four games over for their best winning percentage of the entire year. Do you think they beat the Pelicans tonight? They should, but if they give up 125, they could lose. They I, Again, I keep going back to this, but I think it's the most important thing about this this team in this this year. When, they, when they're stout defensively, they win all the time. And they've shown in the last four games, last two in particular, that they can do that. And they can do that comprehensively. And it's not like New Orleans is going to give them a whole lot of difficult looks. So they have no excuse for not putting this one away. And putting it away in the same style that they put the last four away. Clay Thompson's cleared to go. It's his third straight back-to-back -back that he's participated in. That feels like turning a corner. The defense that they've been playing feels like they've turned a corner. Look good, feel good, play good. Head coach Steve Kerr. It does feel like this is our best stretch because of what we're doing defensively. It's significant in that, you know, we've held our, our serve here uh, so far at home. Another big one tomorrow. You know, hopefully Steph coming back soon. So I think, you know, things are looking looking up. Speaking of best stretches, uh, the Sacramento Kings are having their best stretch in about two decades, right? I mean, this is something else. Uh, a couple of stats just to sort of put in perspective what they're doing up in Sacramento, light the beam. Uh, Keegan Murray has 147 made threes. He's on pace to break the NBA rookie record of 187 total threes. So Keegan Murray's having himself quite a nice rookie season. The team is leading the NBA in points and offensive rating. They are eighth in net rating right now. And their magic number, the Kings have a magic number, their magic number is 114. When they clear 114 points, this team is 33 and 7. On the year, that is an 825 winning percentage, and a lot of coaches sleep comfortable sitting with an 825 winning percentage when you get to a certain threshold because 114 points ain't even a lot of points in an NBA game anymore. No. Their problem is one. Well, they have two problems. One, they're probably young for this, and two, they defend abysmally. They do. Because they believe, as the old Denver Nuggets used to, that if you get 130, I'm okay with it as long as I get 131. And that stuff only works till the postseason. That said, they are the most fun watch in the game. And it's not close. Uh, in fact, you know, when, when they had the 176, 175 game while you were in Mexico, it was, ended up being one of the most watched games of the year. You know, on, you know, it should be. As soon as you see that score, you've got to flip over. You're well, like, what the I hell's mean, going on? When you see what the score was at the end of regulation, and they're both in the 140s, you're going, well, this is weird. And they're just, you're going to get your money's worth every night with them. Kings have a league-leading, league-leading 16 games with 130 or more points. They can score with the best of them. And As, they can let you score, which makes them need to score 140. Uh, speaking of scoring with the best of them, that's what a young man from Detroit Mercy was trying to do last night. Rad, I don't know if you caught this. I did. A Antoine Davis needed 26 points in his last college game to pass Pistol Pete for the most points in an NCAA men's basketball career. He needed 26. He ended up with 22.
Uh, Antoine Davis missed a three-pointer. His time expired. It would have tied him with Pistol Pete. Um, Maravich still has the record, 3,667 points. Davis finishes 3,664 points. God bless him. He was hunting the record. Why not, kid? Go for it. He had a rough shooting night, though. He was 7 of 26. He was 4 of 16 from 3. And Dan Wetzel, who we've had on the show we like very much, is not a guy who shames guys. He goes, Maravich is rightly still the record holder. Fewer games, no shot clock, or a three-point line. And, you know, he's, he's got some good points there. Can I defend Mr. Antoine Davis for just a moment, though? I don't think you need to, but go ahead. Okay. He played on 144 games, so he did get a fifth year of eligibility due to COVID. But he played the right way. You know who didn't necessarily? Pistol Pete. <laughs> Pistol Pete in 83 college basketball games. That all he, that's all he played in. Remember, freshmen didn't play back then. They were ineligible. Um, he took 300 more shots, more than 300 more shots, in just 83 games than this kid did in 144. Now, Pete averaged 44, 6, and 5. He was unbelievable. But he took 40 shots a game. No one else on that LSU team was even allowed to shoot. Well, that's only because his dad was the coach. Have a, have a dad. Have a dad. Have a dad who coaches. And have a bad team around you so that it's the only percentage play to make. And also be, you know. Hotter than a pistol, no pun intended, at all times. And Maravich was special. Oh, he was an extraordinary show. So anyways, Maravich might be the rightly record holder. But man, this kid went for it. You got to appreciate that. So, Antoine Davis, wherever you are, God bless you, kid. You went for it. Hands uh, up. Yeah. Thank you so much for tuning in. We got our good friend John Dickinson joining you next. Uh, Antonio Daniels, Tim Kewen joined us today. Both fantastic interviews. Again, you missed any of it. You can find it on the Odyssey app, on the YouTube page. Good to be back. Again, vacation is an awful lot of fun. So is this job. So it was great to come home. Ray, you are my sunshine. Wonderful to have you back in our lives, my life. Whatever. What the hell's wrong with you? Goodbye. Have a good weekend. Thank you, Grandy. Thank you, Lucas. For Ray, I'm Damon. Sports don't build character. Go Warriors. Big game against the Pelicans tonight. They reveal it. And like that, he's gone. Ladies and gentlemen, the weekend. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.